witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And welcome to season five of Witch Space Podcast. Yay! <laughs> and there was much rejoicing. So, you know, we want to start off the year with a bang. We have a lot of surprises for this year, a lot of exciting things we want to do. And this is one of them. So the first thing we want to do is welcome Monica Bordierski. Hi, Monica. Back with us. We love her. And why is she here? So, you know, one of the things that we all do, we have to admit it, seasoned and new witches alike, is that we either read for ourselves for the new year, or we ask somebody, we ask a friend, or we go to somebody and we, we have a reading for the new year. We want to know what's coming up ahead. So the first question is, for the two of you, if you do this, which should you do, which, which Oracle deck, right? Which divination do you use for this purpose? Do you have one that you, it's like your go-to, like the year starts and I have to do blank or I have to go to somebody who will read blank. Mm-hmm. Monica, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, I, I can start. Sure. I'll jump right. in. I, you know, that's really tricky. I've been reading for such a very, very long time. Uh, I think I got my first deck. And I mean, a lot of people say this. They got their first decks when they were very young and I was about 10. So I have so many favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, And it sounds really vain. <laughs> so I hesitate. But it is true. I use the Shadowland Tarot and it is a deck that I created. And honestly, because I made it, it is the easiest for me to read because what I haven't written down, I know from the conceptual mm-hmm. development and I can spend more time. If I use other decks, it might be the Morgan Greer. I tend towards Rider Waite Smith decks mm-hmm. and I love art and collecting uh, newer decks too. So I just have tons and tons of, of decks that I look at, but for use, uh, my go-to deck is probably my own. <laughs> As it should be, honestly. Yeah, right. Vanity is a social construct. <laughs> I don't believe in it. No. Go ahead, Gemini. Stop stalling. Well, here's the problem. Is real talk. I haven't done a, an end of the year reading for myself in like a number of years. Oh, wow. Like probably, I actually think the last time I did like a real like New Year's reading was... Mm-hmm before COVID. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn girl. I know. Okay. I wasn't um, expecting that answer. I know. That's why I was like, Monica, will you go first? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to talk. So realistically, like before, before the pandemic, I did, um, I used the Moonchild tarot deck, which I believe is by Danielle Noel. I can post it on Instagram. It's very cute. Um, it's one of the first decks I got. It's not the Rat King, but it's one of the first decks I got. But I don't know what it was about the panini, but I just stopped doing it. And I think maybe part of it was like, I never really looked back at it in the first place. I would do like this very like, you know, a card for every month and what's my theme and all of this like in-depth stuff. And then I just never looked at it again. So it was like, is this even really worth it for me? Um I do sometimes do readings for other people for the new years and then I'll just use whatever deck is like I'm vibing with at the moment. So like visions from the liminal space Oracle is something I'm really into. Um, Way home from everyday magic is a deck I really like, but I don't, I don't read for myself in the new year anymore. Okay. Well, for me, 
I do a monthly read and I use Monica's Lenormand deck because that's the only Lenormand deck that I use. So that's always, and it's funny because in my Bujo, I, I draw mm-hmm. like the card in there. I defy anybody to actually realize what these things are because I can't draw. <laughs> so like, I just try to make it like, okay, I kind of get the gist, but of course I also write what it is on the bottom in case mm-hmm. I look back and go, what the heck is this supposed to be? Because I can't draw. So I do that monthly. So I, I don't personally do a year thing, but one of the Scorpios in which space is somebody I go to and, mm-hmm. you know, right around Yule, I'll be like, you ready? Let me know what day you have uh, free for me. And then, and she uses a specific deck and I cannot remember which deck she uses, but she has different decks. Well, do you remember the time she read for all of us in which space? Yes. And I was just going to bring that up because I actually think that's my last New Year's reading. I think that's the last time I ever got read ever for New Year's. Because that's the last time we were all like doing something for New Year's together. Yeah. But um, yeah, she has, she had a different deck for each and every one of us. She was like, based on your personality. And I was like, okay, that's super weird. But she has one just for me. So I, you know, that's the reading. That's so cute. So I I love to have her do that. I don't know. I think I get too anxious to do it for myself. Like if I was Mm -hmm. going to do like a full reading for myself for the year, I think I would get really like, like, do I want to see this? Do I not want to see this? So when someone else tells me, it's kind of like, I don't have a choice. I asked her to do this. So she did it and it's good. I'm comfortable with one month at a time. Like that's as much as I can read for myself before I make myself crazy. Yeah. That's what I like to do. Yeah. This is a fun segue. Monica, do you let other people read for you? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wondered if we would go there. I... I do. I do. I'm happy if other people read for me. I think some I've had some good readings and other readings. Uh, I just get the feeling that people are panicking and just making stuff up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I've had some very good readings and, and I'm happy if, if people um, do that. You know, I just don't generally seek out readings because I, I can be brutally objective. I think part of my art training has been to remove subjective opinion from um, maybe more, uh, okay, I mean, this is a tricky philosophical discussion, but things that are, you know, perceived as more objective mm-hmm. reality, okay? Uh, so I don't mind doing my own readings. Sometimes I just avoid readings because often my cards give me uh, crap. So Preach. I mean, they just tell me off, right? They'll just, just, just like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm looking at it going, who wrote this? Because it's you. Just, <laughs> <laughs> like, what the heck? So sometimes I'll avoid readings. And, you know, I really believe that we have a part in our destiny too. So every card or every divination has its challenging aspects and its positive aspects. So I don't get terribly worried about what is coming up. Sure, I don't want to see a whole load of Nine of Swords. I don't want to see lots of, you know, oh, look, here's the death card. Oh, it doesn't really mean death. I mean, you know, some things are still tower really yeah. uh, yes you know but i'm okay with that and i go i and generally i find when i do read for other people this time of year they're kind of aware that some of those challenges are upcoming yeah and it's a confirmation rather than new information right and just to s- address the timing you know i pull a 
card of the year at the Witch's New Year, uh, which is October 31st for us, November 1st. And I also pull a birthday card of the year and a Yule card of the year. (laughs) Oh, in bulk, I need a card. (laughs) So I don't know. I tend to time it with, I guess, those spaces rather than just um, everyday situations. Um, So I don't know. That's, you know, I have lots of cards of the year that come up. And other people tend to do that, too, I find. You know, springtime and Mm -hmm. fall and everyone seems to take a vacation in summer, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because Scorpio sent me a TikTok a little while back that was like, New Year's resolutions are dumb. You shouldn't be doing your resolutions on New Year's. And I was like, actually, I love that because I I like write my New Year's resolutions, but I don't want to do them until the beginning of Aries season, the astrological new year. Because for me, it's like I have to like marinate. I have to think about it and like understand if they're really vibing with me or not. And like maybe I'm going to get rid of my New Year's resolutions and I'll do different ones. But I like the idea of like doing multiple cards of the year because there's so many different New Year's, like so many for no reason. Why not have a card for every New Year? You know, for me, I kind of have a new two, two and a half months instead of like a new year. Like for mm-hmm. me, Lunasa is the beginning of the new year for, you know, like mm-hmm. not just because then we have Maban, then we have Samhain, the new year, but also because I'm going back to school mm-hmm. this September. So Lunasa for me is like, okay, what do you intend for this new year? And then I kind of have like a grace period. And then in Saruman, it's kind of like a time to reflect and go, okay, what you set up in Lunasa, how's it working out? Are you sticking to this? You're sticking to this? Okay, we're holding this. This is it. This is your hard stop. Now from here on, your new year is to keep doing that. So I kind of do a couple of months because, you know, it works out because I'm not the kind of person that starts things right away. So (laughs) if I say I'm going to start something at Samhain, it's not going to get started till Yule. So at least I say, you know what? First of the harvest festivals, it's kind of, it's beginning of the school year, Lunasa, that's, that's my, that's my jam. And then I have a grace period. So that's kind of, you know, you bring up a really interesting point there, Nori. Um, You know, for my own spiritual practice, there are different reasons for pulling a card too, because I'm kind of following the Sabbaths as well on the wheel of the year. So if I'm, I'm looking at in bulk, Uh, to see what seeds of intention to plant and then spring to see what's, you know, to nurture summer, what's growing. And then Lunasa for, for our group, it's also uh, the new year because it's kind of the first harvest, but then we have different intentions for Mabon and, um, you know, Samhain as well. And so, you you know, I think people start to get very nuanced in why they are doing readings. Mm -hmm. My readings at Samhain are to connect with ancestors more so than the other readings. So yeah, you bring up some very interesting points. So from getting readings to creating decks. Oh, all right. Because there's not a deck that Monica hasn't created and they're all really awesome. So how do you get inspired? And of course we want to talk about one deck in particular today, but we're going to save that for last. So with the other decks that you've created, how do you go about saying, I'm going to do this? Like, like what, is it the art that drives you first? Is it the love of this type of Oracle that drives you? Like, how do you decide, you know what, I'm going to do the Shadowland Tarot or I'm going to do, you know, like, how do you decide this? Well, um, it takes a lot of time, I think, for me to process information and think about it. So I will spend many months 
with my handy moleskin sketchbook and just jot down. And I don't use it just for drawing. I, I use it for um, note taking and for quick thumbnail sketches with a, with a fine tip marker. And that's something I've done through my arts practice. And I'm actually a trained designer as well. My, my degree is in design. And the idea with design, though there's fine art involved, is that you are to solve um, a problem or a challenge that you're facing. So I approach it as, okay, here's the challenge. <laughs> you want to create uh, an Oracle system, your um, mission or vision is to offer tools of empowerment to people so that they can use it for reflection as well as contacting spirits if that's what they like or collecting art. So basically I'm writing out uh, that whole uh, paragraph and saying this is what you need to resolve and then take time. And from there I look at okay do I want this as representational, abstract, iconography, what decks of course inspire me and why is it their color palette what is me like what what colors reflect me so and then there's this tricky process of looking at what is personal so that i'm expressing myself but what is universal enough for people to relate to? So you wanna create something relatable. And so basically you can see it gets very complex in fulfilling all these things. So I just keep sketching and looking at one at a time and then create the framework. So how many cards is this? Is this an Oracle? Is this, because I respect the systems as they're uh, in their historical context. So if I think this is a 78 card deck, <laughs> She laughs, she laughs as she's finishing up one now. Um, or if I think it's an oracle in which you have the flexibility to make it any number of cards you want, or if it's a Lenormand system of 36 cards, all these things come into play. And, you know, I just have to tease them apart one at a time and consider, okay, what is the main theme of this deck and the purpose? And then, believe it or not, after all this, um, I will just let it go and then I will do a lot of spiritual work leave all the logic behind and reach out to the spirit realm and see what imagery is coming up and see what advice I'm gleaning from ancestors or other spirits and uh, so it's this lengthy spiritual journey and when I'm done with that I try to bring the two together and then the images tend to flow uh, so to me, it's always a balancing act between worlds, <laughs> literally, mm -hmm. of logic, of, you know, emotion, of spirit, of the mundane. So uh, the process is reflected in, in deck creation as well. That's pretty much covered every deck so far that I've made, self-published or traditionally published. Okay. So do you have like a specific ritual that you repeat every time or is it something that sort of flows naturally from the design of each deck? No, I'd say I'm pretty ritualistic, you know, <laughs> I have probably my attraction to, you know, my witchcraft practice as well. Yeah, uh, I do tend to, you know, I have to make sure I'm in the right frame of mind 
mm-hmm. which slows the process down. But, you know, you never want to inject, at least I don't, uh, you know, anxious, anxiety or uh, being anxious or foul mood into anything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, also, because of the materials I'm using, I do you I, I do a lot of watercolor and ink. So the area is prepped with uh, a cleansing uh, through incense, through sound, uh, physically cleansed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I light a candle and I use charged moon water for my watercolor painting or lightning water if I'm in a hurry. <laughs> um, so it's infused. And a lot of my watercolor paints are earth pigments and they carry their own energies as well. And the other thing, the interesting thing, it's it's not really part of the ritual, it just happens, is that I will dream about the cards or journey with those cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they kind of have a mind of their own too. And that that is part of, of the creation. So I will acknowledge that in a ritual before I sit down and say, you know, I'm uh, allowing this to flow as much as I'm planning. So it's that balancing act. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like when you're creating the decks that it's more like because you want to use them? Like, do you feel like there's something missing and you're like, okay, you know what? I love these decks, but I would love to have blank in it. So I'm going to create this Lenormand deck or I'm going to create this, you know. Well, yeah, part, part of the design process. Sorry to interrupt there. That's exactly it. Uh, it sounds really critical <laughs> to say, you know, there's nothing out there that pleases me. And it's not that. I, I find pleasure in, you know, the horde of decks I seem to have for a variety of reasons. What I do, though, is I think I take the best aspects of each deck and I tend to put them together because, yeah, they're there, that doesn't seem to exist in one singular deck. So for shadow work in particular, I found a lot of really, now I love goth, okay? You know, <laughs> you can't see me folks, but I'm always clad in black head to toe. It's part of my heritage actually uh, to be a goth. But, you know, I, um, I only found really dark, heavy, heavy decks for shadow work that had disturbing imagery. And quite frankly, if you were in my head, you'd know that I don't need any prompts for that. So, you know, I, I didn't find it really helpful because sometimes shadow work for me requires honesty. Well, it does for most people, I think. But also, I'd like to have something that isn't that heavy because it can trigger certain things. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to lighten this up a little with some of these characters and call it Shadowland and make it less um, intimidating, I guess. And I found it less intimidating. Mm-hmm. So yes, I, and I was hoping, and that's the thing. So in pleasing my myself or finding a solution to that particular issue, I was hoping other people might also uh, get the tongue-in-cheek humor um, because we all have flaws and shadow work often is about admitting the things about ourselves that we don't always like Mm -hmm. and in a lighthearted context as in cartoons often we can see ourselves but we can also chuckle about it and not beat ourselves up for being a certain way but see that we are those you know perfectly imperfect beings that you know can be quite amusing at times you know you know it's funny because I saw this meme 
about the Adams family. And somebody said, people are missing the whole point of the Adams family and the whole point of goth. And it's not about brooding teenagers in a basement saying life is dark. We hate life. It's really the moon is beautiful. And, you know, things that bloom at night are beautiful. And I don't know a goth that would say a butterfly wasn't beautiful. Like it's just about seeing beauty in a lot of different things and not just the typical stuff you're supposed to. So they're like, you know, the Adams family took joy in everything they did. And I think that's what people are missing. Like goths, I think are really kind of happy people because they're not so hung up on like, I can't like X, Y, and Z. I can like whatever the heck I like, and I'm going to like it. And you know, I don't care if you like it and I'm just really happy. Like, I think gods are pretty much happy people. That's just me. I don't think, I don't know. I'm not like walking around <laughs> depressed. I'm, I'm pretty happy with everything. Like, yeah, so, I agree with you on that one. Totally. So speaking of decks today, Gemini's already people. I'm can't so think, excited. But Gemini's chomping at the bit on this one. So, you know, we asked Monica back one, because we love talking to Monica, but two, she's got this deck that I think people are going to become obsessed with. And it's called Between the Worlds, Shadow Casting with Bone and Curio Oracle Cards. So the first thing I want to say is I do, well, I did charm casting. I say did because I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. And I'll tell you why. So there's always one that'll scatter somewhere. And then you're like, hold on a second. Let me get it. I'm going to mm-hmm. lose this little bit. And it would make me insane. So then I got a board and then I got like this little thing with like a barrier. So I wouldn't go everywhere. But then I'm like, but that's not the point. It shouldn't bounce back. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not a huge fan of, cha- of a, um, charm casting. I, I, I enjoyed it for a bit. but It became a lot. Then you come to Bones and we interviewed uh, Garth. Yes. Two years ago, I believe. And he's a bone caster. And, you know, on the one hand, you have to think about how, you know, um, how you get your bones. Is it ethical? Two, he says things like, well, you know, the spirit of the animal may not want to work with you for a while. Are you kidding me? So now I have this bone that doesn't want to work with me anymore. Mm -hmm. And I got to put it to the side. Like if I have, my bag of tricks, right? Whether it's a deck, or, I don't want to hear, oh, you know what? This card doesn't want to work with me anymore. Well, I guess I got to put it away. Now, now, what do you do? So the first thing that I got curious about, aside from the fact that I love the artwork was, oh, wait a minute. I get to have these two things in one and in a system I actually like, which is cards, right? Now I know a lot of people might think, oh, but it, but we have to talk about it so you can see why this, this deck is so charming and why I think people are really going to like it. But go ahead, Gemini, because you're like dying to say something. Well, okay. This is that I'm going to start with a question because um, okay. first of all, I read the book, which yes. I don't normally do. <laughs> so really? I'm very excited about the book and I would love Monica, if you wouldn't mind sharing the story of sort of the genesis of why you made this an Oracle deck. Um, Cause I think that really fits with what, Scorpio was talking about this like frustration at physical objects sometimes. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to be too long winded with that. Uh, the story, I, uh, the most important aspect I did share in the book, there were a myriad of reasons. As I mentioned, being a designer, you want to resolve all those things. And just as Scorpio was saying, there are many things uh, about the physical casting of bones and charms and objects 
that can be, you know, interesting. Like they do go astray, they bounce. I still can't find a little claw somewhere in my, my studio. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's one thing. But what really prompted me, I think, was um, portability, translating uh, from uh, 3D to 2D. And I collect a lot of items for my casting. And I, we, we travel a fair bit to uh, Boston and Salem. And because I'm always picking up these really peculiar little things like coins and nails and bones, <laughs> you know, and shells, um, I realized that uh, when I was packing before we came back uh, home that I'd had to go through customs and I'm going to look like a mad bomber basically <laughs> because, you know, with all the nails and, and bits of metal and junk that no, you know, nobody in their right mind would collect, it didn't make a whole lot of sense for the average tourist souvenir. They weren't fridge magnets, let's put it that way. <laughs> So I had it all bundled up and unfortunately, and um, I really don't make light of this, uh, the horrible situation in Boston, uh, the bombing at the marathon, but it was timed. We were traveling shortly after that. And I was being really sensitized to what we have in our luggage. Uh, so I wrote a note on the packet to customs saying, I, I'm an artist. Uh, I use these things in my art. Here's my business card. Here's my website. You know, go take a look, honest, you know, mm -hmm. uh, to get through customs. And I thought, well, goodness, I can't really travel. And lots of people can't cross borders, go international. What if the bones are from a species that isn't allowed in that country or endangered, mm -hmm. or they even question that? You know, you can say chicken bones all you want if people don't believe you or they think it's an agricultural hazard. There goes some of the nuts and seeds in my kit, along with a couple of rare shells, maybe, or bones. So I thought, you know, there's a lot of issues here for portability and for usability. I really like making things accessible. I think part of empowering people and creating tools that are spiritual and functional is so important that I thought, you know what, we're just going to, we're going to go for it. It's going to be tricky because I don't think anyone's done it before. Um, so it was a little daunting to say, hey, I'm just going to, you know, and it seems mm -hmm. really egomaniacal, quite frankly, <laughs> uh, to say, I'm going to make my own system and it's going to, you know, and I went, okay, well, if we're going to wade into those waters, let's just go for it and hope for the best because you never know how things are going to turn out this way. So then of course I had to go through the process of, of the 13,000 items I have, which are going to make it to the deck that makes sense. <laughs> so that was a whole nother process that took me a while, you know, but I'm really glad I did it. And uh, I still, had a great deal of fun with it but basically that's how it went from 3d to 2d and card mm -hmm. form i also think when it comes to bones and you have vegans right talk about accessibility yeah. a lot of them are very interested in being able to work with bones but there's absolutely no way they're going to do it and i totally respect that you know from them so this is another thing that makes it accessible for people who just feel like no i can't actually I just physically cannot. So, yeah. Absolutely. No, that's a very good point. So I really like the way you talk about 
sort of what seems like very mundane concepts in this sort of very spiritual way. You, you do it on the podcast regularly with us, but also in the book, um, talking about the power of narrative and talking about why each of these different items has sort of spiritual significance. Um, does that, was that something that you sort of breathed into this deck, this idea of magical and mundane? Yeah, absolutely. And um, you're talking about the power of narrative. That was something else that I really wanted to do that I didn't feel I had the opportunity with uh, Tara or Lenormand. I might in the future, but I wanted to try microfiction at the beginning of every card mm -hmm. to give it another layer of meaning, both magical and mundane. So I think in trying to resolve that, um, I had not only the keywords, but a narrative putting the item in a completely different context from, okay, the actual item too, I give you a description, which is, you know, sometimes magical or mundane, mm -hmm. a message and advice and, and reflection. I think I just wanted to, to me, it's like a diamond with facets. I wanted to show as many sides of something as possible so that I'm not telling you how to interpret because that's a big thing with cards right mm -hmm. uh you know they're they're delivering in my mind often they're delivering this kind of a this is what you need to do and you know there's no deviation from it so in having both mundane and magical meanings woven or interwoven i i think uh there is that flexibility and um you know i hope i hope it uh help that having a piece of fiction with each um i don't know i hope it brought a different angle to this whole you know oracle deck for me it really gave you know i I've, we've seen on tiktok for a while now this idea of romanticizing your life um and i think it's kind of spreading to other social medias as well and i think it sort of gave me that feeling with the deck of sort of like well this is <laughs> this is a doll's arm but it is also like this deeply romantic concept romantic like capital r right like lord byron dueling somebody on uh, on the beach. Um, this deeply romantic concept of like, just really being in touch with both the physical object, but all of the representations of it as well. And I thought that was really interesting and not something I'm used to seeing in a deck. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that's, well, thank you for seeing that part. You know, I am an animist. This is part of my spiritual practice. So as an animist, these objects have a certain amount of autonomy which a lot of people, you know, find difficult to comprehend, I think, if it's if it's not part of how they're part of their worldview. But I, I guess there is that capital R romantic notion to these objects have their own life, their own story, their their own way of being. So that also factored quite heavily in, in the creation. One of the things that I thought was really helpful here is you know, when you're learning a new system and you, you read the book that comes with it or you buy another book or you buy five books and you, you constantly get stuck, right? You go, mm -hmm. what, what does this mean? What, is, what does beaver tooth mean? Okay, I have to memorize, I have to memorize, I have to memorize. But one of the things that Monica did was you've got a reflection section at the end with a bunch of questions. And I feel like that is so useful because once you read the story and you read how this card can work now it's like okay but how do you feel 
about these things because it kind of forces the reader. And, you know, we talk about reading intuitively and reading, it, it makes it, it makes it yours. If you answer these questions, honestly, now you're going to remember this card, not just because I memorized what the author said, but you ask questions that are really, and they're not easy, like one-off questions. It's not like, oh, the answer to this is, I think it's blank. You know, it's like, it really makes you think. So you really get to spend some time if you take the time, which I think everybody should do when they're learning a new system to really like, you know, don't rush through it, like enjoy the narrative, enjoy what you're saying, and then say, okay, now I'm going to take X amount of time to just reflect on this card and answer these questions and see what it means to me and, and sit with the answers that I've come up with, you know, before I move on to the next card, I think you'll get a lot out of it. Like, that's one of the things that I really liked is like, I think like once I, because I have not done this with the whole the whole deck. Um, I feel like it's going to be a deck that at the end, you're really going to connect with because you spend more time with it than just, this is what it means. This is what it means. This is what it means. And then, you know, then try to connect with it. You're connecting with it as you're learning what the cards mean, which I think is very different. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope that it come, you know, I'm very happy to hear that that aspect um, came across. So thank you. I think one of the things, and, and I, I posit this to both of you as well is, you know, are we better at divination as we practice it more? Because I think this deck builds in practice um, in a way that like, especially when I was fresh at it, I was so frustrated being like, oh, well, I need to, I want to know all of the stuff, but like this deck builds in the practice so that you feel more comfortable. Um, personally, I think I'm better at reading now than I was at the beginning, but I do think some people just start good and stay good. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think we, if we tap into that space, you know, you can practice. A lot of people ask, well, are you born this way? Do you read intuitively? Oh, no, I only read through a book or a system. I think, again, because that's just how I am, literally between the I think bringing together all of those aspects, you learn a system through usage and you get better at it through that. But that holds for me for intuitive practice and falling into particular, maybe mild trance states as well. Once you know that feeling, I think you can access that again. So you get more proficient at it. And uh, yes, you get you get better at discerning what uh, things are coming to you and being more open, maybe not judging them as, oh no, I'm making that up, which I've often told people when they're getting intuitive flashes when reading, well, does it matter if you're making it up? Does it matter where it's coming from right now? Just try to relax into it and decide if it was your grandmother later. Uh, just, you know, because if it, if it was good, does it really matter sometimes? We get hung up on that, whether it came from your higher self mm -hmm. or from, uh, you know, a universal consciousness or from a direct relative of yours. Uh, don't stop there. Just allow the information and don't block it. And I think in doing that and just being more open, uh, we, we do get better at it. Yeah, through use. I would like to ask you about the spread designs in the back of the book, because I mean, first of all, I love a good pre-made spread. I love when a book is like, here, try this. But I know you've created so many decks 
where did you get the inspiration from these? Did you sort of try to create something that was just for this deck or were you pulling from the work you've previously done? I wanted to create spreads for this deck, but certain aspects of the spreads have been used before and sort of reworked, mm -hmm. I think. Um, you know, because I'm a designer too, the shape of the spread has something to do with uh, the spirituality as well and the number of cards. So I'm drawing on some of my own uh, spiritual knowledge from that. Uh, seven for me is uh, a very, and for many, a very spiritual number. So uh, in creating a seven card past regression spread, the number is vital. And I've used past life regression spreads before. So uh, it's both. There may be some gnarly for um, through the numbers. Uh, pick a pile readings, you know, are pretty open. A path to success is something that I did specifically for this deck. So, and nine card layouts, I've, I've, you know, used a lot of. So, you know, I'm trying to make it specific to this deck because the imagery is a little different than those of others. But uh, there are aspects that just uh, roll from my practice to one deck creation to the next, I think, uh, reformulated. That's inevitable because they're, they're spreads I know work. So to you, mm -hmm. not all of them are completely unique. Do you have a favorite spread? And by extension, do you have a favorite card? I think my favorite spread spreads tend to be pretty to the point because I'm usually in a hurry. <laughs> so I have to be completely honest here. I think the wisdom of the ancestors, like I do a three card past, present, future. Uh, so connecting with ancestors that I think have my best interests in mind, how they may see the past, present, and future at the moment because to me that would change in, in 28 days. But if I'm on the path that I'm on right now, what would uh, the ancestors say about the past leading to the present, leading to the future? What is that path that they see? I also like moon phase spreads and I did, you know, and I'm, su I'm sure there are people who are just, you know, not necessarily thrilled that I would remove a few cards from this deck and do a grand tableau with it Lenormand style because sometimes people aren't that happy with you uh you know sullying the gene pool so to speak with <laughs> you know uh messing around with traditional things but that is also a spread that I found really interesting because reading by proximity for casting uh, very easily translates to me as a Lenormand proximity reading with the cards. So I, I like playing with that one too. And as for a favorite card, gosh, no. I have, <laughs> <laughs> that is too tough. That is really too tough for me uh, because then you'd be asking me, do I have a favorite object? And then my other objects would have hurt feelings. So <laughs> It's I, like, I, don't, I don't have a favorite child. I love exactly, all my children equally. Exactly. Uh, I and then you know you're talking about the art technique to how it translated, mm -hmm. so it gets too complicated. Uh, but overall, I had to 
you know, say I enjoyed uh, each, each of them. You know, I had so much fun in creating each. They took on their own personalities quite apart from the actual objects. And they are beautiful. I mean, the artwork is just wonderful. Well, thank you. I also want to talk about the practicality of them. So first of all, for people who haven't seen them, you need to see them. Um, but they're 46 cards and they are about the size of a Lenormand card. They're not big like, you know, tarot cards. So, you know, it's kind of like more cards than Lenormand. But if you read that and tarot, you know, you know they're very easy to move around to take mm -hmm. portable. The other thing I think is really cool is that people are thinking, oh my God, well, what if I've never done curio readings or I don't have bones or whatever? But there are items here you're going to know, quartz yeah. point, right? So, or the coffin nail, right? Things like that. Like you're going to have points here. Where you're going to go, oh, wait a minute. Is this what I think? And then you'll look at the book and go, oh yeah. So you're going to find connections to things that you already use. You already know when you look at this deck. So this is not, um, if you're thinking, oh my God, I don't think I can handle this. This is a brand new system. Yeah, it is. And no, it isn't. You know what I mean? I think it's something yeah. that is very accessible. So the only thing that I am going to complain about, this, because <laughs> I want Monica to tell more of the story, is that I believe that this deck should come with three stones, the yes, no stones that you talk about. Yes. Right? Was it yes, no, maybe? No, I don't remember if it was two or three stones. What was it, Monica? Uh, yeah, I think it was a yes, no, maybe. And there was a center yes. point. So yeah, there was a little white pebble, a black pebble, a gray pebble, and a center stone that I used. And uh, yeah, and why, I have no idea. I was just a strange kid. I didn't <laughs> see that anywhere. And don't forget, while they did have cars when I was a child, they did not have the internet. And uh, I didn't see it from anyone else. I didn't mm. copy it from anyone. It just was some kind of internal, you know, call it a genetic throwback. I don't know. I just was using uh, these little stones and I went, oh, what if I ask these questions? And they, they, even in my child's mind, and who knows, right? When you're a kid, you will think all sorts of things, but they seem to be quite accurate to me in uh, what would occur. And uh, so, yeah, I, I thought about that too. And, you know, there was even a discussion with the publisher that there was potential to include an object or an item with the deck. Um, but I think that would, that just got logistically, it just got a little too difficult, but, you know, I encourage everyone to, to try that and, um, you know, pick up pebbles on the, on the beach or wherever you are, the little round ones work best. They were very tiny. They were only about half an inch to three quarters of an inch and, uh, give it a try, give it a try if you haven't. And as far as uh, accessibility, what you were saying there, Scorpio, about the it's new, but it isn't, you're absolutely correct. And this is what I was hoping, you know, people would not find too daunting in the familiarity of the actual items. Um, you know, the newness of it should not be intimidating. Uh, that is, that was new to me to find cards that are reflecting uh, a three-dimensional system, but hopefully the familiarity with the items, people just go, oh, hey, I mean, there might be something like fulgurite, which is pretty specific type of stone. Yeah. But, you know, I think most people will get the horseshoe or an acorn, or uh, we have ideas about coyote. So yeah, that was part of the accessibility too. And Gemini, please get some pebbles and throw those. <laughs> I am so mad that they're not included in the deck, that there was an option 
and that they're not like what that's that's bullshit and who do I have to fight I who, just who, I, with the publishing house where I have to fight I just <laughs> love the story I just love seeing that like you were already creating you know little yeah. divination tools as a kid like I just thought that was awesome like that was the best story it's the first story in there so it was like yeah I love that and I think that's something that I I want to like thank you for but also sort of share with our listeners is that a lot of times you get a deck and the book is just this is how you read the cards and that's that's great I love to have them I still use them you know 15 years in the game but god it is nice to have a book that is a book like there's parts of this that I am going to use separate from the deck there's stuff like like the different types of divination that you reference I'm like oh I want to look into these I can use these spreads in other ways it's a very useful tool, whether or not you're actually using the deck at that moment. And I really appreciate that because sometimes it's exhausting to get a book and then be like, Ugh, there's nothing really in it that I need besides this is what the card is. And there's something else that she does that was a theme last year for us. So I guess we can you know, transition slowly away from that theme, but the whole theme of permission. Yes. Right, permission to do things. And I saw, I want to say it was an Instagram post that you did where you had different spread, not different spreads, sorry, different systems. And you were reading something and you talk about that in the book, like, feel free, like, come on, like bring other stuff, use these cards with something else. And I think sometimes witches, even though we're like, oh, we know we, we're, we're independent. We do what we want, but we still still want somebody else to say, it's okay. You can mix your peanut butter with your chocolate. It's yeah. going to be great. You know? So I love that you do that in the book because somebody who picks it up is going, oh, you know, I really want to use these with, yeah, you can. She said, you can do it. Oh, I really appreciate that. And I think, you know, again, there are some people who are purists about systems, but I figured, well, if this is a relatively new system, I can really push that, (laughs) you know, please have fun, play with it. Because I think creativity and intuitive insights often come to us when we're playing, when we relax enough to have fun with something. And often spiritual practitioners myself, I'm just going to talk about myself here, take things a little too seriously. Uh, and so lightening up and saying, no, it's okay. It's okay. If you, if you want, put, put the cards out and take your casting set and cast on top of it and see what charms and bones fall on which cards, you know, that's, that's uh, play uh, mixing it with other, with tarot and with Lenormand um, or runes or uh the om or any any system you want go ahead go ahead uh throw throw it down there people have fun so i'm glad that you enjoyed that and i want to thank you gemini for your comment about the book you know my friends and family when i'm writing books for the decks are often like you know what you don't always get they're like you know what you're having trouble with the little white book it's like you know uh, a 12 page here's the card like going no you don't understand i'm actually trying to write a book <laughs> and uh i'm i'm really glad that that you you appreciate that because i spend uh just as much if not more time because it I'm a little uh, more well-versed in art, visual art. And so I take my time with the writing and try to um, be as helpful as I can with, with the writing as well, because some people, uh, which you learn when you teach, uh, just they need 
the words more so sometimes than the pictures. We all learn differently. We all access knowledge differently. So, you know, thank you for mentioning that. I appreciate it. Well, I want to ask from the book, um, that section on the different types of divination was like mind-blowing for me. I was so excited about it. I'm going to look into a bunch of other ones, but did you have a favorite one when you were researching that you were like, this is something I really want to incorporate, or this is something that resonates really strongly with me as I create the deck? Hmm. You know, I found all of them really, really fascinating. I, I still, I still just get this kick out of scapulomancy, which is, you know, after you've had your dinner, if you're a meat eater and you happen to have caught your own, uh, you know, a uh, cow uh, or wild pig <laughs> and you're cooking it and you have the shoulder blade, you throw it in the fire uh, for a while, you turn it over and people, people do this in Asia still. And it's so nice to see. I just saw a video the other day with people in the steppe area of the Altai Mountains who had just finished with their meal in a very tiny village and they happen to um, throw uh, this little shoulder blade bone into the fire and then you pull it out and then it cracks or burns in a certain way and you look at the imagery that you see in it as a divination. And I thought, oh, that is that is so cool because, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe for the most most of my life, I just you know, threw them into a pot for soup. But, you know, the burning of the bones mm -hmm. was very interesting. Uh, knuckle bones for the connection between gambling and divination, always fascinating to me because fortune is fortune. Destiny is destiny. If the, if the gods smile on you and the goddesses, maybe you'll win this game. Uh, it's so connected, game yeah. playing, fortune telling. And I really enjoyed uh, coffee bean and a bean fava mancy like there's a million mancies if you look them up <laughs> all the uh endings for types of divination uh so those they were all really really exciting and interesting to me and runes and how they came from germanic people with you know cutting twigs mm -hmm. and uh you know every single culture has got a form of throwing things and or tossing things onto the ground to see what they're saying in one form or another, or, uh, you know, just reading uh, bones and curios. So I, I just really loved it all. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. You know, I'm one of those people who, you know, I had to pull out folks because I was going down a rabbit hole that would just never, I'd never find my way out of. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's just a really exciting space for me. So what I love about this deck also is that like you've talked about you're creating it from the thousands of objects that you have around your house. There's so much room for expansion. Um, have you considered, is this in the pipeline, possibly expanding on the deck, doing different versions? Um, because I think that would be very cool to be like, oh, well, here are some new curios that you can add or move around through the deck to almost create a, like a real representation of curio casting where you can pick the ones that resonate with you. Yes, there was some chat about more. <laughs> Just because uh, expansion decks is something, our expansion cards for decks is something I did with um, the House of Shadows and I added expansion cards to those decks. And, you know, there's enough material for me probably 
to do a whole nother uh, edition and allow people to mix and match. Uh, you know, it occurred to me that, well, what about the numbering? Well, I guess I could just go from 47 up, yeah. <laughs> you know, and continue. So I had thought about that for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, because I think we do like to collect things too, uh, diviners and artists and spiritual folks. We just, we just like collections of things. So yeah, that could certainly be uh, uh, an outcome. Look for it soon. <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, when you think about giving ourselves permission, can you imagine there's a whole other deck or two other decks? And as you get you know, you start weaving your way through all the decks, you start saying, okay, these are from here, these mm -hmm. are from here. And now you have your own personal, which is what people do when it comes to bones and, and charm casting. It's your own personal thing. So now you have, so nobody has to have the same exact deck that they work from. If they pull, oh my God. I want it so bad. <laughs> I know, so do I. I want it like, you know, tomorrow. I want like five other decks tomorrow. <laughs> Okay, excellent. Well, thank you for that uh, design <laughs> challenge because, you know, I haven't quite finished this deck, but now I'm going to be like obsessing over that. <laughs> You're welcome. Anytime. It's like, oh, okay, let me just run off now and do that. That's <laughs> an, it's an excellent idea. Your enthusiasm is very inspiring. And I do thank you for that. You know, it is, it is really inspiring because I'm already thinking, okay, we'll number it 46, start one, 46, and then you build your own by pulling the one out of the three decks you want. And I'm already at the third edition in. in my mind. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. I'll get the pre-order up shortly. <laughs> and, and not for nothing, um, I don't think we've ever had anything like that. Yeah. We've never had a divination system that we could build like that, that we can learn one system. It's not about not, it's not about disregarding this deck, but it's about saying I can build on it. I can now, I mean, what that opens up for us is amazing. We've never had that ever. So you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> We're going to have something brand new that we've never had before and which is rejoicing you'll be in that book i will thank you in that book okay <laughs> i will acknowledge you okay, for that you. <laughs> and it does sound like fun you know it sounds like a really fun challenge and yes i do have lots of items so there's no shortage here <laughs> monica before we wrap everything up please tell our listeners where they can find you where they can stalk you where they can buy your decks and anything else you would like them to know Oh, sure. Well, you know, these decks, uh, because this this deck and uh, several others at this point are traditionally published, that means that I don't generally sell them myself. I might have a few copies here and there, but I don't. I leave all that heavy lifting to the wonderful distributors from Red Feather Mind, Body and Spirit. And it should be in any major bookseller. You can find it on uh, well, we have locally, we have a bookseller that's quite large called Indigo. It can be found online at Amazon. And I would encourage you, if you'd like to support your local smaller booksellers, to order it in from their distributors, because it should be in their distribution list. So you can do special orders or get it from them so they can, uh, you know, profit from that. We like to support small local business. And you can find me pretty much everywhere. I always say this. I'm sure people are sick of it. But as long as you can spell Bodirsky correctly, 
<laughs> you can find me because my Instagram is Monica Bodierski and none of those other fake Instagram accounts that occasionally pop up. Uh, that's just the thing. So just spell the last name correctly and MonicaBodierski.com if you'd like to know what I'm up to or see what classes are coming up. Apparently Between the Worlds class <laughs> is coming up. So uh, I also sign up for the newsletter so I can keep you in the loop. It tends to be uh, sometime within a month, sometimes two a month, usually only one. I try not to spam people. So those are the spots and my email, monica.bodierski at gmail.com. You can ask me anything. I tend to answer the most peculiar email. So please don't feel funny if you have an unusual question or you just wish to spend about three pages telling me about your life. I do answer everything. And um, if I'd like people to know something, I think it would be just take your time with things, relax, uh, don't be intimidated by divination, just use it the way you see, see fit and you feel good about using the deck and, um, you know, enjoy yourselves, stay safe, stay happy, uh, love one another and the environment, and uh, that's that's about all the profound wisdom I have here. <laughs> and thank you very much, Scorpio and Gemini, for taking the time to have me on your show and uh, ask thought-provoking questions. And I hope I provided some answers that are uh, both entertaining and useful to some extent. Thank you. Of course, well, thank, thank you, you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure having you um, to talk to you and. I love all your stuff. Like, what can I tell you? You know, I feel like everything you create is my mind could not think of what I need. And then you create it. And I'm like, this is exactly what my mind needs. So, so thank you for being in my brain and, uh, and in my life. So. <laughs> oh, thank you so very much. It's thank always you for a pleasure. Being our first episode. Yeah. Starting yeah. off the year with a bang. Thank you for that. It's always a pleasure talking to both of you and being on your show. This was a really exciting first episode for us to open up year five of the podcast. Thank you again, Monica. Thank you so much to our listeners for allowing us the opportunity to continue doing this and to bring people we really love on the show to talk about what they do. Thank you, of course, to Kano and Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us.